I'm Ian Pringle, and this is the Loyalty Podcast from New World Loyalty. We help you make the most of your loyalty strategies by listening to us talk about what we like to talk about most, which is loyalty and loyalty programs. In this episode, we'll make real everyone's worst nightmares by reminding our panel of their New Year's resolutions and scoring them on how well they've turned out. Joining me on this torture are most of the original panel who were brave enough to contribute back in January. So please, could I welcome Phil Gunter. Hi, Phil. Hello, Ian. And Stuart Mellon. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Ian. Hi, listeners. And Adam Posner. Hi, hi, Adam. Hi, Ian. Hi, everyone. And Simon Morgan. Hi, Simon. Hi, Ian. Hi, everyone. Perfect. So kicking off tonight, Adam, can we start with you? So last year in January, <laughs> are you ready for this? Yeah. You said that we should break up the breakage. So we need to focus on redemption rather than rather on breakage and on the team to use and engage loyalty champions. Do you remember that? Yeah, I absolutely remember every minute of that. And um, it's quite fortuitous that we're actually talking here uh, at this time because I can prove that uh, redemption from a customer point of view has increased dramatically because in my 2022 uh, For Love or Money study, and so this is the consumer's perspective, not the brand, uh, uh, taking advantage of rewards and benefits by members increased from 56% in 2016 to 70% of members taking advantage of their rewards and benefits, which means they're redeeming what they earn. Wow. So my proof point here is from my study only, uh, not from inside brands. Maybe you guys have got brands that can share their stories. Um, that redemption is actually happening. Members are taking advantage of their rewards and benefits. So, uh, you know, I, I, I believe that I, that's I, happening more so. I knew I, you were going to be competitive with this, Adam. I knew it. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think it's um, industry-based, Adam. I think you're seeing that largely in a lot of retail um, because that's the way to get yeah. customers to come into your store. It's about generating foot traffic or it's about generating online traffic. In, in the, the airline and travel space, because they were so decimated during the pandemic, um, we actually saw them turn off most of their oh. redemptions. Yeah. And, and so, you know, they're trying to protect that outflow of cash. And so they've, they've switched off partner redemptions. They've switched off, you know, repriced a lot of things to make it far more expensive and, you know, reduce the availability of, of reward seats on planes and hotels. So, um, so I think, I think, you know, you're right. But you're wrong. industry. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're wrong, but you're wrong. Exactly. Category specific. Hey, well, category, category specific. specific. Yeah. Yeah. We could yeah, be talking, yeah, there could be causality here. There could be causality here though, right? I mean, you know, is it the case that all of those uh, airline programs uh, members are switching to retail programs and becoming more engaged in them? Yeah, it could Maybe. very well be. Yeah, yeah, could be. I mean, but I have to jump to my second one, Ian, before we carry. Oh, do you want to carry on on that one? Because No, I was going to jump to your second one, but you can jump to your second one. I'm going to jump my second one because... The timing is impeccable. So my second one last year was all about team and engaging loyalty champions. And you know that I'm a big believer in, in the team and, and them getting behind a program and building them, uh, you know, with their expectations and exciting them. I just came off a, um, a gala event for my client who's got 50 uh, retail uh, food stores uh, here in Australia. And they had their annual um, awards light last night. And we had a loyalty champions of the year award. So they now, in front of 250 people, not um, recognized and rewarded their loyalty champions from their 50 stores after a year of us putting together a program where we educated them, we got them to do activations, 
and then we scored them at the end and we presented last night the winner out of 50, uh, 47 of them. So um, loyalty champions is actually happening. It's not just theory. Um, and I'm implore, uh, I'm hoping brands out there put more effort into their into their teams. I must admit, I've got to back you up on this one, Adam, because we did a, we had a client this year where I almost took word for word what you said in your podcast last year on this podcast about loyalty champions and what you should do. And I must admit, it was it was it was fantastic. It's the best thing we did. One of the best things we did. In that, we've got higher staff engagement for sure, and yeah. we doubled recruitment numbers for sure. And we also what was really interesting is we took in the past they'd used targets and almost like a, more of a stick than a carrot. And in yeah. using in using loyalty champions and engaging those loyalty champions, we got better performance and fraud is non-existent. Wow. And happy days, right? Happy days. So that's got to get a high vote from the, the people on this call. <laughs> <laughs> does anyone have to, before you vote on this one, does anyone have any more any more evidence, hopefully to talk down Adam's big story? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to say exactly the same thing I said. I think it's, it's industry specific. We saw... You know, again, airlines um, halve their loyalty teams at least um, and a lot of their frontline staff moved on. And so they're bringing back um, new staff that are a lot more inexperienced. And so they've got a big learning curve before they even get to teaching any of them about loyalty and the loyalty programs that support their, their travel customers. So, um, so again, I think very... Uh, category specific again, but um, I'm feeling a five. I'm feeling a five coming on here, Stuart. I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 Stuart, that's your prediction for next year. That's you can say airline specific loyalty champions will be the go. <laughs> cool. So, so can everyone score, and then we'll move on. Okay. So next, we'd like to move on to Simon. So, Simon, this time in January last year, you said we need to ex- recognize the explosion in payments. So, I think you're referring there to payment and loyalty. Um, or we're going to look out for currencies, crypto, NFT, fintech? Well, let's take the first one. Um, So, yeah, I was really referring to the convergence of payments uh, and loyalty uh, and the, uh, I guess, seeing uh, loyalty penetrate the mobile wallet at at scale. So I guess that's two parts. Have we seen growth in uh, mobile wallets over the last uh, over the last year? I'd say that's a big tick myself. I think I I saw some data that said that uh, Almost 70% of millennials are actively using uh, mobile wallets. I think probably everyone on the panel, is anybody not using uh, a mobile wallet these days of some some description? So that's half the equation. Certainly see them growing in the UK, that's for sure. So Stocard, Stocard was growing and now Apple and Google are definitely growing. It's quite easy. It's now quite easy to to, um, create an Apple or Google card in your wallet as long as you can email out to your customers. So yeah, it's definitely growing. it, it, it's interesting, you know, um, you see a rise in the use of wallets for storage of payment cards or storage of loyalty cards, yeah. not the convergence of both. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a good point. Um, you're not, you're not, you're yeah. not seeing that quite convergence yet. It's still a storage factor, but definitely a rise. I, I, I'm going to talk myself down here uh, <laughs> and completely agree and, agree, and completely agree with you, uh, Stuart. I think that, yeah, the penetration of points into wallets it has been disappointingly slow, um, I would say. I think there are some I- examples. And, you know, uh, uh, Ian, I think last year you, you even referenced the Stocard Klarna, uh, you know, acqu- uh, acquisition. Um, you know, we talked to EML and Avios, but it's very limited in terms of what can be done in, in, the, mobile, uh, in the mobile wallet. 
I've seen some really interesting platforms out of Latin America where there are a number of um, second tier financial services providers that have programs that allow uh, points to be used within the mobile wallet. That's a, a business called Nove, and they've got some fascinating and really uh, awesome uh, tech. So I think it's happening, but I think it's uh, sporadic, patchy, and disappointingly slow. But let's be clear, um, Simon, you said you were going to grow payments and loyalty. I said grow loyalty wallets. So uh, I'm hearing that you're scoring you down and me up. <laughs> well, we'll have to wait uh, till we come on to you, Ian. Uh, yeah. And what about the second one you said about the, the growth of new currencies, crypto, NFT, fintech? Yeah, I think we were re really talking about the rise of digi digital goods. Uh, and um, clearly, you know, we are now living in a, a fairly brutal crypto winter. Yeah. And, uh, very, you know, that, that's had big spin off, I think, in terms of uh, the market. Interestingly, I think that that's not as a result of any issues with the technology. It's more the fact that there are a number of bad actors out there that have, uh, you know, uh, you know, been doing um, some fairly uh, dastardly things given the lack of regulation in the uh, in the market. But let's take Web3 and loyalty specifically. I think it's still a long way off. Um, but we are, again, seeing potential. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if you guys have caught up with Starbucks Odyssey uh, program, which they're purporting as a Web3 program. I think it's probably... Yeah. Uh, has some elements uh, of Web3, but it's still a very centralized program. But fundamentally, you can access NFTs and, uh, uh, and buy them with points and trade them within the, uh, uh, within the program. Um, so look, as a precursor for, for the future, I think that there's, there's definitely some positive signs along with you know, uh, a, a large number of other brands that have been experimenting this year with NFTs. There's, there's a lot of people that this year spent time trying to work out if they could get on the bleeding edge and get some of the work. Uh, and you've seen things like Etihad, where they've, they've put something out there. I don't think for a second it's, it's made a big splash. But, um, but, but like, um, it, is, it is that this year where there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of thinking and talking, uh, but not a lot of things landing. Yeah, and my, what I've seen in the last year is, obviously, I mean, you said the, the, the Bitcoin winter. You know, the I checked just before the call. So the the, the price of Bitcoin's halved since January twenty two to November twenty two, and that's of course the, the the prevailing wind of these things. And then in the football clubs who have tried a lot of Bitcoin, have not Bitcoin, they have tried a lot of cryptocurrencies. I think at one point fifty three clubs had had some kind of Bitcoin piece, um, and there's been mixed experience there with with some some examples of the advertising standards authority kind of clamping down on saying whether whether these things are being correctly um, advertised um so i think i think i think it's a tricky time for them really couldn't agree more you're ahead of your time yeah. simon yeah so um, well this so is simon, just it that's the difficult thing isn't it yeah it's predicting uh, the next 12 months rather than the next 10 years but uh hey you know so Simon, you see the, the mantelpiece behind you, Simon. You don't need to rearrange anything because I don't, I don't think the award's coming your way, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it wouldn't. <laughs> I'm fully prepared. <laughs> so, so Stuart, um, you, you talked about this time. You, oh, sorry, let's, let's go scoring. Can everyone score that one, please? So, uh, so now, Stuart, last time you said that cash is king and we need to look at cash flow and not the P&L. And you also said stop doing stupid promos was the... <laughs> Was your oh yeah, I say these two things every every year, and I'm right every year. 
because it keeps my favorite, Including my favourite birthday bonuses. I hate birthday bonuses. They're my worst nightmare. And, and I keep telling people I'm very open about it. And we've had, I've had at least two clients this year have come up and said, we really want to do a birthday bonus. And uh... <laughs> I, I saw one client this year that wanted to do a birthday bonus and it was going to cost them $2.3 million. And for what benefit, so, Stuart? For zero benefit. For zero benefit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, so how do you think you've done well on the? How do you think you've done on these two then, Stuart? I, th- I think cash is always king. Uh, and so I think um, the problem is people aren't looking at it enough. So I'm talking it up and talking it down. I think in the last two years through the pandemic, um, a lot of CFOs have started to understand loyalty and their loyalty exposure and how loyalty can help the business during those difficult times. But a lot of them continue to look at the P&L and they haven't looked beyond the P&L into the cash flow. And a lot of um, clients that we speak to, they are simply looking at a P&L or a basic you know, kind of couple of line items from the profit and loss. Um, we've got to get people understanding the, the three-way financials and, and look at, at more detail into the cash flow to see is it actually bringing positive returns into the business. So um, uh, I've done a bunch of financial models this year and uh, and every client I speak to, I tell them the same thing. So yeah. Um, yeah. you can't just look at one set of financials only. And how about doing stupid promos? You're still seeing them about? <laughs> still seeing them about. Still see plenty of them around. I think, <laughs> I, I, think I called out the other day, there should be a Darwin Awards for uh, loyalty <laughs> promos at some point over the years. And um, yeah, I love that uh, the one that's on Netflix at the moment. I watched that um, you know uh, about ten days ago. Pepsi, where's my Pepsi jet? Points, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and um, great, I mean, that, great that's something just great documentary. But I think that's slightly different. I mean, I, I, I I'm going to challenge you on this one actually because um, I think that in retail, in clients that we've had, when we focus absolutely crystal clear on the P and L is um, I was challenged this year, we're saying, right, we're going to have a double points weekend. I was saying, oh, why are we doing that? And, but actually, and I was, I was dead against it, but actually the, the, the uh, results we had off it were a real massive rise in staff engagement, massive rise in, 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 in sign-ups over that, that period. And I'm kind of, I was taken by that. I was thinking that maybe uh, in a couple of months, we're not going to have to look at the P&L impact, but actually... As as a as a promotional activity, yeah, it's got to be cheaper than offering a ten percent discount, right? But but do that once. Yeah. Don't do it month in month out, and, yeah. and make it a drug that people become hooked on, or make it a, an offer that people see all the time because people then either disengage because they see it too much, or they wait and, and change their behaviour and wait until you make the offer. So, this is this is why we love um, you, Stuart. You're the public face of, fi- of finance. You're the uh, the friendly <laughs> face of finance. <laughs> so, sorry, I, I just sorry, Stuart. I just have a little bit of a challenge on the uh, cash is king piece. Can can we honestly accept a a kind of universally acknowledged truth as a uh, uh, as a panel member's a prediction for the uh, for the year? You know, because. You've got your guaranteed success every year. Come on. <laughs> you guys didn't challenge me last year or the year before on it. So. I'm the, glad the you woke up this year. Next year's prediction is the, the sun's going to come up in the morning. Is that right? <laughs> exactly. I'm Nostradamus. Bears go in the woods. Yeah, but like, the thing is, we're talking about predictions, right? So it's true. I think it's also it's, it's probably exactly true that, that projects that you've worked on, Stuart, 
that they you've educated them on the PL, the cash flow, the balance sheet, and through that education, they've made better decisions and, and done some good stuff. It's also true that almost no one else is doing it. Yeah. And that's the challenge for, for, for I think that for us as the industry, uh, getting to understand the financials, all three financials is so like, enlightening and yet, and yet so few people actually do. Well, but that was one of your predictions. That was one of your um, your hints last year, Phil. So, so he's taken an early run. Well, they're going to call you off for that one, but you get the camera going in a minute. So, <laughs> okay. can everyone can everyone score Stuarts then now, please? On uh, including yourself, Stuart. There you are. One big ten. You can guarantee that one. Put that in the bank. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So the next one was Phil. Phil on his on his long run was saying that you need to understand the real impact on the host. So what does the program really drive? And your second one was, what's the real cost of complaints and engagement? And saying that a quick yes is better than a slow no. So you, you were advising people, loyalty professionals, to say, understand the impact of not saying yes quickly. Yeah. Do you stand so, by those? Oh, I stand by them both being very important. Um, from, from whether they, they've, um, they've actually happened two different things so so on, on the first one on the on true impact this year we've seen both i've seen some like a, a, well, we worked on it together a brilliant project with a retailer where they had some data some fantastic fantastic data that proved the value of the program the impact on sales uh, the real impact on the business um, did it over several different periods consistent impact and then changed some some the strategy changed the activities and 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 uh, did some really good stuff at the same time uh, I've done a lot of projects this year when the, the sponsors actually directed me not to worry about things outside their own P&L. Yeah, so, that's uh, common, isn't and, it? And it's really common. And, and what we you know, you, 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 you pay to do what, what you're, you know, not to keep them happy, but you pay to give advice as directed. And sometimes we're actually directed not to worry about the great, the big picture. So I've got both this year. Um, the... Understand the cost of complaints. To us, that's an ongoing battle that um, that I can't pretend that that uh, every every program gets that because so many people, so many people, just put in policies that look good on on the paper, and then when it actually comes to it, they they um they they don't they don't follow through and understand the, the true cost of that of those those policies as as on customer engagement and complaints. Uh, but if I go back to the first one on this on this, Phil, is um the more I look at the, the when you work for when you work for one company or in your lifetime, right? You might work for on on sort of payroll. You might work for three or four loyalty companies over a, a career. Whereas consulting, we see lots and lots and lots of companies, and I'm starting to get more and more of the view that probably no more than half of loyalty programs actually work. If you took a real genuine P and L of a loyalty program. I, because I see so much out there that, that that doesn't look like it works, so I'm I'm more and more backing on this, Phil. And, and there's two sides. One is it doesn't work from a a, a mission or, or what it's got to deliver to the host, which is Phil's point. And, and then yeah, I see it doesn't work financially either. So hundred percent, hundred percent. And and I see you see it more and more, and it, it's often been created over time, right? And and it's because Programs have grown up often because other people do it, or because they want to. Their MD wants to replicate what others have done, and you create reasons to have a loyalty program that aren't necessarily financial reasons. 
right. But the, the 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 frustration, I guess, for us as, as consultants is once you do understand the true impact on the business, and, and you and you blend that with what the business is trying to achieve, then nine out of ten times you can come up with a loyalty strategy that works. Yeah, it's just I, that I, half of the ones that are actually in market don't. No, I totally agree with that. We, I know that it works. When, when I was first in loyalty, I remember saying to uh, Brian Pearson, so I was, I was having a conversation years ago with Brian Pearson, and I said, you know what, when I work through the pearly gates, the first thing I want to ask is, does it work? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas now I've seen enough programs, I absolutely know it works, and I know it can work really well, but I've also seen it work really badly. And so when clients often come to us and say, you know, how well could a program work? Can you give us some examples? I'd say no, because it can it can be really good or it can be really bad or it can be somewhere in the middle. But you do need to know. Yeah, and, and it comes back to the, to the finance thing. You often know through understanding the numbers. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So should we call it score Phil? Have we already ready to score Phil? Is your, is your, your statement for the defence is now finished, uh, Phil? Yeah, yeah. Score me more on the first one than the second one, though, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Now the embarrassing one. Now you come on to me. So what I said was embrace the loyalty wallet, which we all accept that Simon backed me up on this earlier. Right. So I said, (laughs) (laughs) I said, embrace the loyalty wallet, Apple, Google, Stokard, because I was saying there was a movement away from having your own app to being on effectively someone else's app and having moving away from plastic into 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 a mobile wallet. Um, And the second thing I was saying was review your point of sale. Point of sale, um, if you're a retailer, review your point of sale because point of sale technology has moved on and now you might not necessarily have to use a scanner when you can use, you know, you might not need a plastic card when you can use other things. And why not have that discussion to see whether you can make it appropriately easy to uh, integrate with your loyalty program. In my defense, I think that um, Apple and Google are very easy now. You still need to, to have, as far as I'm aware, and by all means, Apple, Google, correct me if I'm wrong, but... You need to. Um, you can get a. You can add a GUID into your email where you send an email out, and people click on it, and they can add your add you to Google or Apple. It's really simple, really simple process. But I don't know whether you can do it directly from just scanning a card. Um, Stocard, massive, massive around the world now. I think it's over sixty million um, people use use Stocard. It's just simply you scan a scannable card, and they add it to your wallet. I'm so so those have grown over the last year. Then on 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 point of sale, uh, again. I don't know how, how point-of-sale programs have generally grown over the years, but I have worked on a project this year where the sole problem with the, the, key, the, the, the main problem of the program was that the point-of-sale system was too difficult. And it was so difficult that it was, it was, it was causing... There's nothing else particularly wrong with the program. It's just the point-of-sale friction was too high, which meant that the program wasn't performing. And so I'm more convinced as that than ever that getting a point-of-sale process is right... Now, whether you can change it or not as a retailer is difficult because it can be like a heart and lung transplant for a retailer changing your point of sale. But it does make, can make the critical difference between success and failure. I rest my case. I, I, think, uh, I think, Ian, I, I still walk into coffee shops and I see QR codes on counters to scan and then you've got to bring up something and show someone over the counter and then they do something in the background to give you a free coffee and um, redeem your points. There still seems some clunkiness at the, in the retail uh, point of sale. And, um, and I think there's so many different point of sales out there amongst retailers. And Adam, you can probably attest to some of this, that it is really challenging and costly for someone to integrate with all the different point of sales. And that's often 
what prevents good loyalty data, um, you know, that single view of the customer that we all kind of, you know, um, try to achieve and the ability to have simple payments. And so until yeah, you get to standardization, it, it, it's a big challenge. It's like anything in this conversation. There's the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And um, I've found in Australia, you know, a point of sale with BP and Qantas, uh, it's so simple. I mean, you've got your BP, it's integrated with your Qantas points, it's integrated with your payment. You go, come off for the petrol, you go in store, you, you tap, you go, you're in and out. They've, they've integrated point of sale, they're integrated with partners. It's seamless, it's easy. It, I think they've nailed that. And that's a use case of a real example of, of a program across a very wide retail network. Same with IKEA family at point of sale, but it's critical that the scan rate is simple. I mean, yeah. everything you said, yeah. Ian, absolutely, you know, transplanting a point of sale system is not just today, let's do it and tomorrow we'll start. It's massive. And, but it, the impact down, downstream is absolutely huge with data and, and, and experience. But, but I also think there's an appropriate, there's an appropriate sweet spot. It can't be too easy, otherwise, it's it's there's no there's no consciousness of it so if you registered a card years ago and you forgot you ever registered it then then that's too easy right and then too difficult means it's just the, the value you're giving away is w- not appropriate for how much pain you have to go to get it there's some nice ni- there's a perfect sweet spot and that sweet spot's moving to being more simple it has to be more simple than it was 10 years ago or for even five years ago but yeah. you need to be conscious of that and keep asking yourself a question because I'm working with a retail now who changed their point of sale, and then they say, and it's in, and and it's in danger of moving more difficult. And I'm thinking, if it moves more difficult, then you start to question the whole PNL thing again, because you've got to get that right. It's got to be right, yeah. Absolutely. So I win, yeah. Are we happy? <laughs> let's vote. <laughs> <laughs> so can we all can we all score, and then let's see see where we see where we end up. The scores and the doors are first. Adam Posner with an average of 8.4. Woohoo! Well done, good Adam. on you, Adam. So Adam, hey. Adam wins, wins Loyalty Pundit of the Year. That's something to stick on your, uh, <laughs> on your signature strip. Where's, where's my uh, fake uh, certificate? Yeah. Second comes Ian Pringle, the true king. Oh, of yeah. Then with 7.6. Then Phil Gunn to 7.4. Then Stuart, then Simon with, um, sorry, then Stuart with 7. And Simon, who, who did ultimately admit that he had made some bad choices last year. <laughs> I hope they're the only bad choices you made last year, Simon, but coming in at 6 points. That's the biggest loser. Thank you. <laughs> so congratulations. They were, of course, the only bad choices. Congratulations to Adam Posner. So a, a prize thank will you. be winging its way across to Australia. Oh, so thank you very much, thank guys. You. So on that bombshell, I'd just like to thank all my guests tonight. So please thank Adam Posner, the new king of loyalty. Well done, Thanks, Adam. everyone. Thank you. Simon Morgan. The wooden spoon of loyalty. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Stuart Mellon, well done. Thank you very much for tonight. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, listeners. And uh, Phil Gunter. Thanks. For, thank you very much. You're welcome, Ian. Thank you. And look out for our predictions for next year. So thank you very much. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, or comment on LinkedIn using the hashtag LoyaltyPodcast. And we look forward to your company again soon. Thank you. And good night. <laughs> <laughs>